live from the Parent Nation studios, it's Parent Nation with Tara Kennedy Klein, the Internet's top talk radio show featuring real talk for real parents, shaken and stirred up with a twist from America's family advocate, Tara Kennedy Klein. Yeah, well, I got a news flash for you, folks. The problem with kids is parents. Excuse me, Cheryl Sandberg, but I'm not leaning in anymore. I'm sick of spilling my martini. (laughs) I'm serious. It's time to put the F word back in parenting. Fun parenting. Oh my gosh, why can't we do this? Why can't we have dance parties in our kitchens? I don't understand. And now, here's your host, Tara Kennedy Clive. Hey, Parent Nation. Welcome to the show. Oh my gosh, I can't even hear you guys. That music is awesome. I just, <laughs> I was dancing in my chair, Kelly. Were you dancing? I know. I was just I thinking that, that I, that song never gets old. It makes me shimmy. I know it never gets old. I, you're so right. I was at, um, I'm, I'm taking a positive psychology class. Did you yes. know that? Yes. Of course you knew that. You know everything. That's about awesome. That, right. So yes. this was one of once a week, once a month, we gather our class gathers in Philadelphia and it's just like a positive party. It's like a party of positivity. It's so great. And we do things like it's, it, we just do like crazy fun stuff and we do things that are off the wall. But you know, when we're taking breaks, obviously there has to be music. Oh, sure. You know, sensory breaks and dance you know, dance breaks and stuff like that. And they always play that song. And every time the song comes on, and I'm, I'm sure you guys do this too, like at a certain part in, point in the song, in my head, I go, it's time for Parent Nation. <laughs> <laughs> it's my own kind of little that's, advertising. I'm not going to lie. If I'm in the right company, I say it out loud. I'm not going to lie. That's you know? funny. It's true. I'm, I'm just, I... Ah, I'm in such a good place when I come back from there. Yeah. Yeah. You know what we did this weekend? What? One of the things that we did, we took naps. Really? Yes. Yes. And you're probably thinking, well, that's the laziest shit I've ever heard. But <laughs> but what we were talking about was we were talking about um, repletion. Mm-hmm. We were talking about repleting ourselves because... Um, with all of the stuff that we do, all of the choices that we have to make on a daily basis deplete us. It's called ego depletion. This shit has a name. It's Mm. called ego depletion. And when we have too many choices to make, and um, it really does come down to that. When we have too many decisions that we have to make and um, too many thoughts that we have to really, really process on mundane things that we really shouldn't even be thinking about, we actually deplete ourselves mentally. We start to um, we start to actually uh, produce negative chemicals in our brain. I don't want to get too chemically sure. and too scientificy, but we start to 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 produce negative chemicals in our brain, like um, things that make us tired. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and make bad choices, by the end of the day, we're actually making worse choices. If we make too many choices throughout our day, we actually make worse choices towards the end of the day. So we were talking about things that we can do to replete ourselves, like taking naps. And um, it was kind of cool because there's, there's actually research behind the 20 to 30 minute nap. Mm-hmm. 
you know, that nap that doesn't take you into REM sleep, rapid right. eye sleep, um, you're not really dreaming. I, right. I, I started dreaming though, cause I can sleep. <laughs> Kelly. I'm the best sleeper on the planet. I'm telling you. <laughs> so it's like, was I snoring? It, it was mm-hmm. so, um, but it was, it, it was those things that replete us that, that give us back, um, good chemicals in our brain, happy chemicals in our brain, um, thought promoting chemicals in our brain. And, um, so yeah, we really need to, to do those good things more often, like daily, right? regularly. I like those, I like those little naps that you doze off while you're watching TV, just a little 10, 15, you wake up all refreshed. Yeah, or at your desk, or yeah. you know, driving your kid to soccer practice. <laughs> no, 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 I'm only kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But it's funny because in the um, we had our first call on Wednesday for the Raise the Parenting Bar program. Yes. Yeah, and one of the things that we talked about was how we're constantly putting ourselves in positions to be depleted. Like, you know, we take our kids to soccer practice, but then we feel like we have to sit there and watch it the entire time. Mm. We don't need to sit there and watch their soccer practice. Trust me, nothing exciting is going to happen in that 45-minute period that your kid is on the field where they're supposed to be listening to their coach anyway. You know, they're supposed to be developing teamwork skills anyway. Get your ass out of there. Go, I, go buy yourself a brownie or go take a nap in your car or go right. get your nails done. Or if you're a dad, go get a paraffin wax. I don't care what you do. But just do something during that period for yourself. Like everything we do as parents doesn't have to be for our kids. We're actually teaching our kids that the world revolves around them. For longer, you know, they should be coming out of that stage when they're like two, three years old. They're starting to develop autonomy and, you know, realizing that the world doesn't revolve around them, that there are other components to the world. Remember, these are the people in your neighborhood that had a purpose, (laughs) you know, for preschoolers that had a purpose that that kids are starting to learn that there are identities and existences outside of themselves all around them. Mm-hmm. Yep. And when we continue to allow them to be our son, you know, then they never realize that there's things that are outside of them, choices that are outside of them. You know, it's, I can't even stand that the parents who refuse to go on a date night or refuse to go on a vacation as to, once they have kids, like until their kids are in high school, college, even mm-hmm. I've talked to parents that have literally said to me, I have not been on a vacation alone with my spouse in 14 years. Right. Stop that. What are you teaching your kids? You're teaching your kids. Don't take care of yourself. Once you have kids, make your kids, your center of your happiness. Once you have kids, stop that. Let's have fun with some stuff, you know, and, and let your kids Hear, see a different story, see a different side of you. You know, that's how they're going to learn to be happy and fun individuals. It's going to become intrinsic for them because they're going to see it in you instead of everything, all their happiness is extrinsic when you're, when you're providing it for them. You know, we talk about how um, participation awards are killing kids. <laughs> you know, participation awards are making them um, 
you know, expectant of happiness and making them expectant of reward. That's not true, mom and dad. Do you know what's making them entitled and expectant and, and depressed? What color shirt would you like to wear today, honey? The green one, the blue one, or the yellow one? Do you want to wear the long sleeve shirt or the short sleeve shirt? Do you know how many freaking choices you just made your kid make? Choices deplete us. Stop it. You're wearing the blue shirt and you're going to feel good about it. There. That's better for your child. (laughs) And mommy and daddy are in love and we're going to go on a vacation together and we're going to have the best time and we're going to pamper each other and we come back. We're going to be so much fun to be around instead of we're taking you on vacation with us and we're going to loathe every freaking moment of it. (laughs) We can't stand you right now because you pick your own boogers and you embarrass the shit out of us in public. (laughs) You know, it's like, come on people. (laughs) You know why our moms used to send us outside to play? Because they were tired of us. Ding, 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 ding. (laughs) Yes. Because mom wanted to watch general hospital (laughs) and she didn't want you in her space and she wasn't afraid to tell you. (laughs) And guess what? The other neighbors didn't report her to CPS because they were all watching freaking General Hospital too. Jeez, <laughs> I'm Pete Willikers, people. How funny is that? So, and I'm excited that our guests today are, you know, in some way or form going to be talking about repletion. Yes. Right? That's exciting. It's home business happy hour day. Yay! Yay! Working from home. Working from home. And you know what? Here's the thing. We all work from home. I mean, there, there, are, there are other people out there that will tell you, you know, um, that you should get out and, and go do a job outside of your home. If that's not what you want to do, but you need to make money, you need to work from home. And, you know, if you, I know personally, if I didn't have my business out of my home, I would be well, I would be in a straitjacket in a mental institution right now because my, my Aspergian son mm-hmm. took me away from my work a lot. And I can't even imagine having a boss looking down on me because that's what they do. Right. Uh, you know, looking down on me every time I would have to leave to go sit with my son for an hour in his, in his science classroom because he, you know, couldn't handle the pressure. Or, you know, it's like... I don't know. I, I, I think that it's there's a lot of there are a lot of parenting experts today who are talking about, you know, working from home and the benefits of it. So you can work, you can be valued and you can still be at home with your family. And I think that's really important. Um, but I think that it's fun because um, there's so many ways that we can customize our businesses to our families. And that's another thing that I talk about um, in the Raising the Bar program is all, you know, there's either, there's either you can't have family balance and work balance or you can, and this is how, and I'm one of those that believes that you can. Um, and it's about customizing your business to meet the needs of your family. And so our two guests today are Clyde P. Riddlesbrood, who's going to be talking to us about entertainment, helping create success in our businesses through entertainment. Um, 
and that's going to be fun because I love theater and, and Clyde's all about the theater. And mm-hmm. then we're going to be talking to Caroline Green, um, who's going to be talking to us about meaningful work that's right for you and your family. And I think that the reason that I love both of these guests is because um, a lot of what I'm, I'm getting into and what I'm focusing on, and I didn't realize it before, is mindfulness. Mm. You know, I think a lot of us look at mindfulness and we think of like J.P. Sears. Have you watched J.P. Sears videos? No. He's the guy who does the um, the parody videos about like if if um, meat eaters talk to people like vegans do. Oh, I did. I saw that recently. (laughs) (laughs) Plants provide oxygen. Why are you eating them? That's my food's food. I don't appreciate that you're eating it. <laughs> my food's food. <laughs> it's good. And he does so much stuff like about essential oils and yoga and stuff like that. And it's it's super, super funny. Um, and I think when people think of mindfulness, they think of the ridiculousness of shishi, fufu, modern belief systems. But mindfulness is really just what I was talking about, you know, realizing where you are, um, paying attention to where you are, being awake and alert to where you are and present in the moment mm-hmm. and um, and really appreciating what you have and what's around you and seeing a different story. Does that make sense? It does. <clears throat> a lot of us are very goal oriented today, you know? everybody's telling you, you can achieve your goals. If you just, you know, if you want them badly enough, you can achieve your dreams. If you just, you know, do this practice of affirmations and, you know, keep your eyes on the prize. But what we forget Kelly is when we keep our eyes on the prize, we miss the journey. Right. I've noticed a lot in conversations is that people are just, they're not listening. They're just thinking of what they're going to say back to you. It's so true. Mm-hmm. It's so true. And I, I catch myself doing it sometimes, too. Sure. Especially in this industry, right? Yes. Because dead air is like death. You know, you have to constantly be thinking about what you're going to say next. But I think that there's something beautiful about the pause, too. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and we forget to pause. We forget to breathe. You know? When someone says something to you, your immediate reaction doesn't need to be to fix it or to contradict it or to one-up it. Mm. Sometimes you just need to pause and think about what they said and then think about where they're coming from and why they said it. You know, I know that, that you know spanking is a huge debate, and, and here we go again with the memes. I don't know what it is about springtime and spanking, but... They, <clears throat> they both have start with SP. Right? Springtime and spanking. <laughs> <laughs> but I really... One of my very strong beliefs, because I'm a reformed spanker, you know, okay. I was... I, I, I picked switches when I was a little girl. My mom didn't play, and neither did my grandmother. <laughs> um, and... So I started out with the belief system that that's what works too. So I get where it comes from. I think if parents realize that it's a knee-jerk reaction to um, to get their kids to um, show remorse for mm-hmm. something that they did wrong, 
I think if they paused and even took a step back and thought to themselves, wonder what you were thinking when you did that. I think that parents would find themselves less inclined to react and smack. Right. You know, what am I smacking you for? Am I smacking you because I want you to regret what you did even more than you already do? (laughs) Or am I smacking you because I'm embarrassed or I feel shamed or I don't like, you know what I mean? Yes. Hmm. Especially those out in public things that I think some parents think that they need to spank because they were embarrassed. Yes. And I'm going to show everyone around us that I'm not going to tolerate this from you, you little shit. Right. I'm the boss. I'm the boss. But yet if you were in a situation where you couldn't, if your hands were physically tied behind your back and you had to find a different solution, what would you do? Mmm. Food for thought. Mmm. I love to make people think. (laughs) And that's, you know, that's what I'm going to do from now on. Because sometimes when my kids say something or do something that pisses me off, I find myself clenching my fists. Not that I would punch them, but I find myself clenching my fists, which puts me into a very defensive mindset. It's my body language. And from now on, for the rest of this week, what I'm going to do is when my kids piss me off, I'm going to fold my hands together. Hmm. Like in prayer. Or I'm going right. to, right? That's what I'm going to do. I like it. I'm going to try it. It's going to be my technique. That's good. You do it too. And I then will. We'll put it up on the Facebook page and see what people think about it. Okay. Awesome. So we're going to go to break in a few minutes. And uh, when we come back, we're going to be talking to Clyde P. Rillsbrood about his theater entertainment industry. And, uh, and until then, I really want to remind everybody to go on the Facebook page and be part of the conversation because we like when you do that. Yes. We think it's fun. Uh-huh. And, and we like to engage with you. And I don't think that we have a lot, enough opportunities to do that. Um, so tell us what you're thinking, what you're doing. What is the thing I put up today? I put something up today that was funny and I wanted people to react to it. Oh, it was about the poop faces. Oh, the poop faces. Yes. Remember your kid's best poop face. We all do. The poop face. That's the kind of stuff we talk about on the website, on the Facebook page. So (laughs) go on it and talk to us. And, uh, so we're going to go to break right now. And then when we come back, we're going to be talking here. Homeschooling? Have questions? Get your pen and paper ready. It's the sociable homeschooler, Vivian McNinney. Fridays at 5, 4 central on toginet.com. After a handsome blue-eyed Texan fell in love with Vivian at the Victoria Station in London, she found herself at DFW Airport with a tiny suitcase and a snazzy little duffel bag. Well, 25 years later, she is now happily married to that blue-eyed cowboy. They have four grown children, ages 24 to 18, who became willing guinea pigs when she unwittingly stumbled upon the world of homeschooling. Wildflower Academy flourished for 15 years. They survived and thrived, and you can too. Vivian will be covering a wide range of issues that face homeschoolers. What do you do with kids in the summer? How to set up your one-room schoolhouse? How obedience is paramount? And what to do with those snakes? Plus, you'll be sharing ideas and insights that she gleaned from other homeschoolers. So join us for an engaging hour with a sociable homeschooler. Vivian McNinney, Friday afternoons at 5, 4 central on toginet.com. 
the average five-year-old asks about 400 questions a day. I overheard an embarrassing one. A little boy was talking to his grandmother on the telephone and said, I haven't seen you in a long time, Grandma. Are you in heaven? What do you call a small person who talks a lot? A yif-yaf. Not to be confused with a yip-yop, which is a young, scatterbrained person. Here are some questions I think we've all wondered. If humans evolved from monkeys and apes, why do we still have monkeys and apes? Why doesn't glue stick to the inside of the bottle? Where did the phrase, curiosity killed the cat, come from? It's actually a 16th century American saying that daredevil, curious cats, can sometimes get into trouble. Here's a couple of other words for daredevils. Hardy darties or harem scarums. I'm Carolyn Davidson and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Parent Nation with Tara Kennedy Klein, the Internet's top talk radio show featuring real talk for real parents. Clean my house? <laughs> it's time to clean their house. You know what it means if my house is clean? I have big closets and a broken computer. Shaken and stirred up with a twist from America's family advocate, Tara Kennedy Klein. And now, back to the show. Hey, Parent Nation, welcome back to the show. I'm Tara Kennedy Klein, and our first guest today is, um, is somebody who's doing something that I, it's the true love of my life, which is theater. Um, his name is Clyde P. Riddlesbrood, and he has an entertainment company um, that he brings to, uh, it's, it's actually a theater company in New York, New Jersey area, which is close to me. Um, and he does murder mysteries, dinner theaters, stage productions, and that's sort of thing. But what he's going to talk to us about today is how entertainment helps create success in our businesses. And the thing that I love about that is I have always thought that my experience in theater has made me a better presenter, salesperson, um, influencer. And I am so excited to hear that there's actually somebody out there who's, you know, basically affirming what I believed all this time. <laughs> so, hey, Clyde, how are you? Hello. Very nice to be on your show. Thank you. Thank you very much. You sound like a theater guy. Oh, well, I give it a shot. That's what I do for a living uh, for a very long time now. And I, I grew up in the business. Uh, my dad uh, owned a theater for many years, and uh, I just kind of got myself caught up in it, too. That's so awesome. What theater did he own? He owned uh, many years ago a theater uh, in Cape May. It doesn't quite exist anymore. Uh, it, it went out of business a little bit ago. But um, uh, so I don't want to go into detail about what that was. But um, but but it was in Cape May, and we did shows, dinner theater shows, all summer long, and um, and uh, you know it was it was a lot of fun. So it kind of got me got the theater bug into me, and uh, once I got out of college, I just uh, took it up. That's so awesome. The reason I ask is because I, I, I'm from Pennsylvania, so I spent a lot of time in New Jersey and New York, and we went to lots of dinner theaters and things like that when I was a little girl, and that's what really got me involved in theater. And you know what's funny is, as a little girl, I always had a ton of ideas. And my, I was raised in entrepreneurial settings. My, you know, by my parents were all entrepreneurs, business owners. And theater was the one thing that kept me interested in school. I wasn't interested in math and science and social studies. I hated those subjects, literally could not stand them. In literature class, I would write plays. 
<laughs> and then once I got involved in theater, that's what kept me interested in school because I knew that if I was failing, I would have to quit theater. Well, it's I mean, uh, you know, <laughs> I had a, a similar situation in that, you know, I uh, believe it or not, when I was younger, I really wanted to be an archaeologist. Uh, I really was desperately wanting to do that. Uh, but growing up in theater and just having the ability to express myself on stage and have the roar of the crowd and, you know, being able to tell jokes and get reactions, uh, you know, there's not really any other feeling quite like that. And uh, I just enjoyed it so much that I just I, I, I winded up starting my own my own company as I got older. That's amazing. That's amazing. So how do you feel? I mean, I, I know that there are plenty of people out there who have an entrepreneurial spirit who aren't theatrical. So how can how can those people or what is what are the benefits actually of bringing entertainment into small businesses and, and people's entrepreneurial endeavors? Sure. Well, I, I mean, I think the easiest segue there is, is that theater is about people. And it's about storytelling, and it's about the transmission of emotion from you to someone else. And uh, obviously, I was an entrepreneur myself. Uh, even though it is a theater, you know, it's a lot of sales. You know, we're constantly booking private parties and working with restaurants and working with hotels and trying to uh, sell our service and explain why it's something that would really help them. Uh, the good thing about working in theater is, of course, you're used to public speaking. You know, you're worse. You're used to being up there on a stage and and uh, using your voice and using your presence and using persuasion uh, just to try to get you know your prospective client excited about working with you. So any business that you might be running, if you're an entrepreneur and you got a hot dog stand or you're an accountant or whatever you might be doing. The elements of theater, adding theatricality to your sales presentations can make a huge difference. Mm. I, I love that. And the, I, the other thing that I love about it, too, what I have found personally is being an actor, being a theater, theatrically minded person almost makes you a little bit of a chameleon, right? So I can walk into a board meeting and com and completely integrate my conversation, my body language, you know, the things that I'm the way I'm interacting with people to the environment that I'm in. And then I can walk into a factory and totally integrate with that group of people, too. And it it makes them more, I think, at ease with me because they're not having to judge whether or not I'm judging them. Because I'm on the same level as them. Well, you know, there's something that you, you've hit on there. Um, but you know what? There's a, there's a danger to being to looking at being an actor. There's a, there's a little bit of a danger in that you don't want to seem inauthentic. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, when you're an actor preparing for your role, uh, you know, you have a lot of time to research your part and you know what the play's about. You know what your audience is going to be. So you can craft your mask, so to speak, uh, you can craft your character to fit that role and that, that audience. You know, if you're doing a Chamber of Commerce, you know, uh, meeting and, you know, you're there to be a presenting speaker, 
you may not necessarily know what's in the mind of every single person there. You may not know what was on their agenda last week, or, or you might not even really know what their goals are. So there is a little bit of a danger to walking into a situation and, and saying, oh, I know, I'm going to craft a, a mask that I think will fit this. So there's, I wouldn't exactly argue to do that. But mm -hmm. what you can do is you can, you, know, you can use the skills of theater uh, to help you in the fencing match that is an interaction with someone. So, you know, you, you want to hear and listen almost more than you want to speak. So the first thing I'd be doing is first ingratiating myself to them, getting them to like you, getting them to feel comfortable with you and trust that, you know, they're speaking with somebody that's telling the truth and also really trying to help them. Mm -hmm. And that's that's a major part of it, because, you know, when we are talking to a hotel or something like that, what we're trying to communicate is how we are going to be able to help them get more customers or keep their customers or expand their brand or their reach through storytelling, through performance. So that's the biggest thing. I'd start asking them some questions. You know, well, what are your main goals? You know, what is it that you're trying to achieve? How do you feel uh, entertaining your audience would help sell more or whatever they might be trying to do? So I would say, you know, you want to hear what they're saying first before you start using those tools to try to persuade them to your side because you don't know exactly what they need. Mm hmm. I hope I <laughs> made some sense of that roundabout kind of way of talking. <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of monologue -y, I'm going to be honest. I know. Uh -oh. No, I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. I'm just busting your butt. <laughs> I'm prone to soliloquy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's, and you know what? We are. We all are. In the entertainment industry, we kind of are. There's, there's something to be said about us liking to hear ourselves talk. <laughs> but, you know, um, so speaking of which, you have um, you teach people about how to incorporate storytelling and anecdotes into into their work and how that can help benefit them. Tell us a little bit about that. Sure. Well, well, besides the business that we do which is, you know, performing shows and everything, there's been other times where uh I've been called upon to maybe coach or talk to some entrepreneurs about ways that they can better, you know, instead of instead of looking at the world as there's targets out there and you're trying to knock down the targets, look at it in a in a different way is to try to make your brand, yourself, your company as attractive as possible, like a sweet candy or a spider web so that you're actually an attractive force. You're, you're, you're something that other people want to seek out. And that is part of where storytelling and some theatricality can really help spice up your brand. Uh, so one of the things that I've noticed a lot of times is people have a tendency to want to appear more corporate. And sometimes that can you know, make them seem more cold and unapproachable. And usually their desire to do that is to make themselves seem more legitimate, make it seem like they've been around for a long time. But, but that's actually something that can work against you because you want to make yourself as sticky as possible. You want to be, you want to be as approachable and friendly uh, and interactive as you possibly can be. And, and that's why having a really good story 
and being able to sell your story and make it something that people want to read, want to know about, somewhere you can you know, put some mystery there that people want to unlock some of the puzzles that your company holds, that can really go a long way uh, to differentiate you from your customers. I'm sorry, your, your competition. So you're less about the elevator speech and more about the the um, compelling story. Well, it's uh, it's about knowing your audience. You know, an elevator speech is a great tool when you're in an elevator. Might not be the best thing to use when you're in uh, a room. You know, in in a chamber of commerce, say, or if you're, say, you know, standing in front of the mayor and you're talking to a bunch of movers and shakers in your town or whatever it may be, or if you're just in a private one on one meeting with a client. So, you know, know your audience and use the right material for that particular purpose. Um, So are you saying that you need to be kind of like a chameleon, Clyde? uh, You know, (laughs) the reason why I I, reason why I'm distancing myself from the chameleon is because chameleon has a deceptive element to it right there's deception mm-hmm. and i and i don't want to say to people that you want to be deceptive uh the, i would say instead of a chameleon i would say you know maybe you want to be be colorful so that you attract the eye but you know it's it's to their benefit you're not trying to deceive them you're not trying to be something you're not but you are trying to be bigger than life. You want to have an attractive presence and and thereby get people to engage with you and feel comfortable engaging with you. I couldn't agree more. Absolutely. <laughs> I know it's a little bit of a little nuance there, but it really is important because, uh, you know, people could say, oh, I got an idea, you know. This guy's wearing camouflage, so he must be one of those backwoods guys. So, you know, if I talk with a southern accent, maybe I'll get a better sale. That's really the wrong approach. Oh, because, yeah, no. Right. So you don't want to try to <laughs> you don't want to try to, you know, act act apart to try to I make, was I was thinking more about blending in with your environment. <laughs> sure. But but yeah, I mean, it's 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 tomatoes, tomatoes, I guess, right? Right. So, if for the people who are listening, I, we only have a couple minutes left, but for the people who are listening who are already in the entertainment industry, do you help them get work as well? Well, we're, we're not really an agent uh, in that regard, but I do certainly know a lot of actors and I know a lot of performers and bands and things like that. And, you know, sometimes if, if they ever ask me for advice... One thing I've noticed a lot about entertainers is they love their craft and they love what they do. They're very creative, but they don't always have the business acumen to go along with that. They don't know how to approach the business side. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's where I can try to help them out. I said because the, the fact of the matter is, is if you want to paint a painting in a cave, you can be an artist. If you want to charge people to enter that cave, now you're a business person, and so you really need to differentiate the, between the two of them. So. Sales is is the biggest thing. You really want to know if I'm talking on the phone, what's the best mannerism? How can I really reach out and get somebody excited about hiring our band or hiring this comedian? You know, you want to try to really transmit that excitement and enthusiasm. And in order to do that, you really have to have a script. You have to have a, a little bit of a character and you have to be ready to jump out of your comfort zone and, and you know, try to get people excited about booking you. 
So you're basically, do you kind of coach and support artists to be their own PR agents? Yes. To some degree, we really want people to realize that if you're creating your own business, no one on earth is going to be the, a better spokesman for you than you. And most artists, you know, they don't have the kind of money to hire a salesperson, and nobody wants to work for commission for somebody that they're never going to make a dime. You're really going to have to get out there and hoof it in order to sell you. So knowing that, you have to be a great salesman as much as you're going to be a great artist uh, unless you're really lucky, unless you're so good and you get picked up by a patron or something, you really got to be out there selling yourself. And and that's how we got to the point where we're doing about 125 shows a year. And, you know, we're celebrating our 16th year this year. And we've done like 1,700 shows. And the only reason uh, the only reason that's happened is because I'm out there every day trying to make it happen, trying to get bookings, trying to get exposure, uh, crafting our message. And um, and that might not be the thing that you want to do. But there's a creative process to that, too. You know, it's fun telling people about you and telling people about the things that you're passionate about. Don't shy away from it. You know, don't Mm -hmm. be afraid of sales. Look at it as telling your friends, hey, I just worked on this painting today. It's great. I'm so excited about it. You know, transfer that passion. Transfer the passion. I love that. I love transfer the passion and telling the stories that celebrate you. I think those are all brilliant. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us today, Clyde. And we're going to put all of your contact information up on our Facebook page so people can reach you. And when we come back from this break, we're going to talk with Caroline Green. So stay tuned. with a twist. Congratulations on being the proud owner of an adorable, soft, cuddly, sweet-smelling, smiling, cooing, hungry, tired, gassy, screaming little bundle of joy. So now what? Where's the owner's manual for this thing? Where are my instructions? Right here. It's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. Infant care specialist Blythe Lipman has worked with babies for over 20 years and works extensively with new parents providing workshops, in-home visits, tips, and daily phone calls to ease those frazzled nerves. With baby and toddler instructions, you can get the advice you need on how to survive and enjoy your baby's first year. For more information on Blythe and how she can help you, go to babyinstructions.com. From 32 ways to stop a baby from crying to 14 ways to get a baby to eat and so much more, it's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. This is the Toginet Radio Network, radio with a cutting edge. Do you ever wonder if you're the only woman who runs errands in her yoga pants so it will look like she went to the gym? Or how about the only mom who feeds her kids raw cookie dough? Or are you the only one who cooks her family cold cereal for dinner? Do you need more laughter and less loudness? More self-love and less self-loathing? More joy and less judgment? You're not alone. Come to the living room, a place where we get comfy, candid, and confident together. Come seeking sanctuary and leave feeling renewed. We're saving a seat for you. Give yourself some living room today. 
Welcome back to Parent Nation with Tara Kennedy Klein, the Internet's top talk radio show featuring real talk for real parents. Clean my house? <laughs> it's time to clean their house. You know what it means if my house is clean? I have big closets and a broken computer. Shaken and stirred up with a twist from America's family advocate, Tara Kennedy Klein. And now, back to the show. Hey, Parent Nation. Welcome back to the show. I am so thankful that we got to talk to Clyde about, I, and I hope that I didn't, you know, I, I, I don't know. I hope that I didn't make uh, make it seem like I was picking on him there too much. But, you know, that's that's what we do. That's what theater people do. So anyway. Oh, it was fun. I thought it was fun, too. I enjoyed having him on the show. So, um, but our next guest, Caroline Green, is, um, she's a recovering lawyer, a chronic overachiever, and the Amazon best-selling author of Matter, How to Find Meaningful Work that's right for you and your family. Um, and she is here to talk to us. She's a business coach, and um, she helps highly motivated, determined moms start businesses and build lives that truly matter to them. And that is actually what we're talking about on today's show. So I am so excited to have you here, Caroline. How are you? I'm great, thanks. I'm so happy to be here. I am so glad to have you here. So tell us a little bit about what you mean when you say building a life and a build a business that truly matters. Yeah, you know, this has been such a journey for me, um, Tara, and I and, and I love so much of what your show is about because I think for me the heart of what building a life and business that truly matters to you it starts with telling the truth. Um, it starts with bringing in some laughter and it starts with being really honest with ourselves about what it is we, we really want in our own lives and in our own businesses and getting super clear on defining what success looks like for ourselves instead of just reacting to what we've been told success looks like by our culture, our families, our friends, the other moms in the carpool line, whatever else it might be. Um, so for me, the heart of the work that I do and the heart of my own journey has been really just standing up and owning. Um, what works for me and what doesn't and helping other moms do the same. So do you work with, I mean, my, obviously I run my own business from my home, um, but I started out in direct sales and a lot of what we hear, um, you know, are stories from women who want to work from home, but they don't really have an, uh, an original idea for what they want to do. So they get into, um, the multi-level party plan kind of business model. Um, is that, do you work with women who are in that mode or do you mostly work with women who are like a startup like me? Uh, almost all my clients tend to be in startups. I have worked with MLMs before, um, and I do support them. But for me, uh, really, a lot of the joy is helping those moms who think that they don't have an idea really own that, in fact, they do. And they have some they have something that they really actually want to and are able to contribute in a meaningful way. And helping them tease out what that is um, is actually a huge part of, of the service that I offer. And I, and I think the most fun. So I find that hysterically funny because when, to me, that was almost like an oxymoron because as an entrepreneurial minded person, I'm constantly thinking of new business ideas. (laughs) Yeah. So are there actually moms out there who want to work from home, but don't know what to do? 
So, you know, I think that it's, it's really going back to what you were saying about the MLM moms who they may not have been in a business environment. They may have never started something before. Um, they may not have had the career success in quotes that they had defined for themselves before they started staying at home. And so what they really lack is the confidence or clarity to really step up and say, this is my idea and this is what I want to do. So I think that, um, you know, there's a lot of fear out there and there's a lot of judgment. What if I fail? What if I don't get it right? What if I do it wrong? What if I'm not successful? What if I don't make money? You know, and that that fear can be totally overwhelming and suffocate even the best ideas. Um, mm -hmm. So I think, you know, when you clear out and just hold, make room and, and, and make space for those um, moms who, especially if they're coming out of a, a season of overwhelm or a season of real sacrifice and service to others and not used to doing things and owning their own dreams and their own desires, um, that once you just clear that fear and hold that space, then all the sudden they say like, oh, you know, I've actually always wanted to do X, Y, or Z. But if you, if you had asked them that before, they might've been too afraid or too embarrassed or, um, too uncomfortable to actually own that from the get go. It's so true. It's so true. I mean, and, and we see it in everything that we do, right? It's like, I can't even buy freaking juice at the store without thinking that I'm <laughs> making a bad choice. <laughs> yes. Yes, absolutely. You know, too much sugar, too little sugar, pulp, <laughs> vitamin D, you know, I mean, we're just, we just get it from every direction all day long. It's so crazy. So if I hadn't been raised in the environment that I was raised in, I don't know that I would have had the strength to go out and forge my own path. And I still have those daily, I still have that daily mind chatter. Mm -hmm. You know, what if I put this idea out and somebody steals it? You know, <laughs> what, what if this costs me more than I'm making and I can't afford to keep doing it? Um, you know, what if it takes too much time away from my kids and then I'm doing the opposite of, of what I really wanted to do? So how do you, how do you help these moms? It's kind of like the chicken or the egg for me. It's like, mm -hmm. do you decide that you want to do something meaningful or do you decide on a business and then make it meaningful? You know, it's such a great question, Tara. And, I, and I've never been asked that question in that way. And I'm so glad that you did, because what I, um, what I often tell my clients once we start working together is that, um, we, we spend so much, we can spend so much time defining what it means to be meaningful that we can just use that as another way to stall, right? We can just use that as another way to keep us from moving forward. So a huge mm -hmm. part of what I talk about is, um, I'm constantly telling the moms I, that I serve, have the audacity to just do something, right? I call it audacious action. It mm. actually, it doesn't matter what your next step is because as long as you're putting yourself out there, you're going to learn and refine and you're going to figure out whether or not that's the product that you want to sell or whether or not that sales technique or marketing technique serves you or your people well. But you're never going to know if you just sit and hide um, behind your fear and your confusion and your unwillingness to move forward. So truthfully, um, for some clients, they, uh, you know, we just actually, for most of them, I say, let's just do something and try it and see whether or not the meaning, the satisfaction, the contentment, the joy that you're seeking for, um, might be just around the corner. If we, if we take a couple steps forward. Wow. I love that audacious action. 
yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna use that in my daily life because there are so many things that I I kind of sit in my house and think, oh my gosh, I really should do that, or wouldn't that be fun if I? And I'm gonna I'm gonna use that term because it's we do need to start taking audacious action, and there's a difference between being um, confrontational mm-hmm. and being audacious. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and it's not, um, the other thing too, it's so funny that you, that confrontation comes up because I think that part of what we get into when we start building businesses is the, the, there are these two myths out there in the culture. One is that once you find something you love to do, it's going to be easy and everything's going to follow total lie. Right. (laughs) And the other is that work is supposed to be hard. Also a total lie. Right. It's that both. And it's like that both. And of entrepreneurship, like I have women come in my office all the time. They're like, I just didn't realize it was going to be this hard, which I find, you know, sort of funny because it's like, did you think that building a business was going to be easy? Right. But at the same time, I totally get it because here I am telling them doesn't have to feel like work. Um, if mm-hmm. you love what you do and you're serving your passion. And so, you know, it's really, um, there's so many dualities, right. In everything that we do, there's those, um, I think Gretchen Rubin wrote in one of her books, the opposite of every great truth is also true. Um, yes. <laughs> you know, I just think that that's like that living in that and accepting that and just saying, you know what? effort and moving forward can sometimes just be, um, the biggest service to yourself and the people who are waiting for you, you know, who need your service and need your, need your product, need you to be brave and bold and put yourself out there. It's so true. And uh, one of the, one of the things that, um, that were my instructor in my, uh, my applied positive psychology class has been saying regularly. And I love is everything always depends. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Yeah. So, you know, you're going to have moments in your business when you're in complete and total flow. And I'm going on record as saying that's going to be the buzzword of 2017. I'm just going to. Yep. But anyway, absolutely. There are going to be moments when you're going to be in total flow. Yeah. And then there are going to be moments when you're in complete growth and growth has pain. Yes. You know? Yeah. So sometimes we need to stretch and grow so that we can find a new flow. Yeah. And, you know, and so it's, it, yeah, everything always depends. So I, well, I love that. Yeah. And you know, the other thing too, about flow, I'm a huge fan of flow and I struggle with this so much in my own life because we, we get into this rut where our minds tell us that the thing that brought us flow last week, last quarter, last like six month season, whatever is going to be the thing to bring you flow again. And so we just try and repeat, right? Like that's our natural human instinct is to just do the safe thing that worked for us the last time. But when in fact in business and being an entrepreneur, it's like, no, absolutely not. The thing that took me to flow yesterday might not be the thing that takes me to flow today. And I think that unless you have that spirit of audacity, if you, unless you have that, um, complete willingness to move forward. Um, you can get really, really stuck and so confused in your own mind. You know, my, one of the things my mentor tells me constantly is she says, Caroline, confusion is a choice. (laughs) You know, I so love that. Yeah. It's brutal. It's so brutal, (laughs) but it's like, I'm like, thank That's why I pay you all this money to slap me upside the head. Like confusion (laughs) is a choice. You know, and, and I think that, um, for anyone out there listening, who's like, I have no idea what you mean. And that just sounds harsh. I totally get that too. But when you, when you're in, in any season or any business long enough, you realize that 
nothing's ever going to be perfect. Nothing's ever going to be clear. You're never going to sit down and just say like, I know, right. This is, this is the thing. I mean, maybe you'll be blessed that way, but most of us, we just keep moving forward. And then over time, build up that, um, that evidence and that confidence that one tact is better than another. And so that's where we invest our time and energy and, and, and move forward. Oh, it's so true. It's so true. And we can provide evidence to ourselves that anything that we want to believe is true. Oh, exactly. Yeah. You know, I talk about this a lot um, in all of my work because we just we put selective blinders on. Like if we go out in the world and we say, um, whether it's our business is going to fail or nobody likes me or Mm -hmm. I'm overweight or I'm not a good enough mom, like whatever thought that we have about ourselves, if we go out in the world and we choose to put those glasses on, Glennon Melton calls them perspectacles, which I love. Like we choose to put that perspective on everywhere we look, that's what we're going to see. We're just going to see evidence of the very thing that we're trying to fight against. And instead, you know, this is what I think uh, my mentor means when confusion is a choice. If I wake up and say, you know what? I've been confused long enough. This is what I'm going to do to get out of that place. Or I'm going to look out in the world and say, people like me, I have friends, I'm adding value. I love my body just the way I am. I'm doing the best that I can. I'm a good mom. I'm going to start seeing evidence for that everywhere mm-hmm. I look. Um, you know, I love that huge part of the journey. That is huge. And you know, I would, I would add on to the confusion as a choice. Intention is a choice as well. Yes. Yeah. So we can choose to be intentional or we can choose to be chaotic and confused. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, and and the way that we show up with that choice really, you know, I don't mean to get too cheesy too fast. I know we just met, but (laughs) (laughs) I love you too. (laughs) Um, It's really transformational, not just for ourselves and for our clients, but I truly believe for our larger communities and ultimately the world, because when you start showing up and owning that energy for yourself, um, then you're going to start changing the way the people around you are showing up and behaving. And it's really, really powerful stuff. It is so powerful. It's, and you know, it's funny. It's one of the things that we focus on. I just started a, a, a group coaching mm. starting in June. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that we focus on is the reality that you can start change in your family. Yes. You can be the pioneer that says, I'm putting yeah. this backpack of change on and I'm going over there. And when you choose to join me, I'll be, I'll, I'll receive you. Yes. Yeah. You know, and not just change within our family structure, but also we can change intergenerational patterns. Mm-hmm. We, you know, we can really, and just by sh- changing the way you're showing up, you know, yeah. when you say, I care about me, you're teaching your children to care about themselves and love themselves. When you choose to love yourself unconditionally, you're modeling for them how to do the same. It's really, it is, it's revolutionary. See, right, Kelly? Yeah, that's what you've been saying. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? You go to your soccer practice. I'm going to go get my nails done. I don't have to sit here and watch you be coached by that person. Yeah. Yeah. It's I'm, I'm going to take care of me. And in the process, I'm going to model how you can take care of you. Yeah. You know, and I think I always ask this question too. It's like, if someone's struggling with some issue of self-care, oh, I can't get away for the weekend. Oh, I can't take that class. So I can't spend that money on myself. I always say, okay, I want you to imagine your little girl 
30 or 40 years from now faced with this exact same choice? What would you as her mother who loves her tell her to do? And they almost instantly start crying. Yep. You know, because of course they want them to make that choice for themselves, but it's just so off limits for ourselves. Mm. We're going to change our words and change the world, Caroline. That's what we're going to do. Amen. Amen. <laughs> so we only have a minute left. Time flies when you have fun, right? Yeah, absolutely. So tell Parent Nation how they can find you and reach you and get your great books. Yeah, I love that. So um, I've set up a website, www.determinedmomsguide.com, um, and they can download a free e-copy of my newest book, Next, How to Start a Successful Business That's Right for You and Your Family. Or if they just want to email me, caroline at carolinegreencoaching.com, green with an E, um, and put next in the subject and include their address, I'd be happy to send them an autographed paperback. That's amazingly awesome of you. We're going to put that information on the Parent Nation Facebook page so that people see it again and again and again. And thank you so much for being here and sharing all of your amazing wisdom and, and laughs with us today, Caroline. I really appreciate it. And Parent Nation, don't forget to check out, like we've said a bazillion times today, the Facebook page. Start a conversation. Be part of the conversation. And until next week, keep playing. Not every decision in parenting has to contain a hidden message or a life lesson. Sometimes it just has to pass mom's little barometer of, is this going to shut them up? Connect with Tara online at tarakennedykline.com. Until next time, remember this. Parent Nation, why do we keep calling this the hardest job on the planet? Why don't we just appreciate the gift that we're given and try calling